And if you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's infallible and inerrant word? Beginning with verse 14 of the first chapter. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, the, ki the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon Andrew and his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And when he'd gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of, Jebede of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets and immediately called to them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. May the Lord open to our hearts and minds the hearing, the understanding, and the receiving of this his word. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Last week I talked to you that, that the people that are really responsible for the deterioration of our society is the church. And when I say the church, I mean each one of us. Now we may not gladly receive that word, but that is true. And I told you that at the heart of that was our inactivity in being involved in the life of people who are lost who do not know Christ, and seeking to lead them to the Lord. Now, you all remember me talking to you about that, don't you? You know, sometimes people come up to me and say, well, preacher, that's a great sermon you preached last Sunday. And I'll say, it was. I said, what was it about? And they send their ubba dubba 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 But I, I remind you, that's what I told you. I told you that the world is in the shape it is in, in the United States in particular, in Western Europe, because the church of Jesus Christ has ceased to have as its chief priority that which was the priority of Jesus Christ. And the priority of Jesus Christ, he defined himself when he said, for this purpose I came. Not to have great music, although that's fine. Not to have great buildings, and there's nothing wrong with it. He didn't say that. For this purpose I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Now let me tell you something. If that is not the priority of this church, and as a believer, if that is not your personal priority, then you are out of the will of God. I would even go so far as Dr. Charles Spurgeon, my favorite preacher. I liked him. He was kind of chubby, and I'm kind of chubby, and... and uh, and uh, he had not much hair in the front, and I don't have much hair in the front. A lot of reasons I like Dr. Spurgeon. But Dr. Spurgeon said, I will say this, that if a person is not concerned to see lost souls saved, I doubt if that person is really saved themselves. That's hard teaching, isn't it? Apply that back to your own life. I always can tell you that you can show any church's major priority in its budget. You know that? That reveals its major priority in its budget. Same thing is true at my house. 
How we spend our money represents our major priority, doesn't it? How many churches in America have as their major budget priority enabling and building and working towards missions and missionary activity within their own church as the chief budget reflection in their church budget? Jesus is not content when the church and when believers are not involved in reaching the lost. Mid more than once here, I prayed with some godly mother whose passion on her heart is for a, a child in their family that, that does not know the Lord. And, and when I see tears flow down a, a mother or father's eyes concerned over that, I would know in my heart that they've got the best mother or father or grandparent they could have. Because there's nothing more important in our children's lives than that they know the Lord. Yesterday we had a large crowd at the memorial service for, for Michelle. And, and we were able to give testimony that Michelle had given her heart to the Lord. And, and she did it right here at the front of this church. And... And, um, and that's a great joy to know that because we've not seen her for the last time. But I tell you this, if your children do not really know the Lord, if they die not knowing him, you've seen them for the last time. The most important thing in any person's life is that they know the Lord and receive him as their Savior. And it is a tragedy that Christians today, so many Christians, do not have that as a concern in their own life to share about Jesus with others. I was tempted, but I'm not going to do it because the Lord sees your hand anyway. I was tempted to ask you that in light of last week's sermon, how many of you all made it a stated purpose to talk to at least one person who is lost about the importance of Christ in their life? Now, is your spiritual hand are you able to raise it right now? Are you able to say, yes, Lord, I, 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 I've honored the calling that I have as a disciple. I, have, I, I did talk last week to a person who needs to know the Savior. I did tell them that I love them. I did tell them that the Lord loved them and that I wanted them to, to know him. Did you do that? If you didn't, you've wasted a week. There are many reasons that people do not and are not consistently involved in sharing the gospel. There are many reasons. One reason is, of course, they don't care, and, and you can't do anything about that. But I would bet a nickel to a peanut that if we sat down and talked one-on-one -on -one about witnessing 
that in our lives we would share many things that intimidate us and, and, and want to block us from doing that. Isn't that true? Sometimes we, we say, well, I, I don't want to be pushy. Or, well, they may reject me or this or that. And there are lots of those things that are in our mind. Uh, let me ask you a quick question. We can resolve those. Are those things that are blocking you from witnessing and calling people to Christ from God? Are they from God? Is your sense of fear and insecurity about that from God? Those things that keep you from witnessing and speaking, are they from God? Of course they're not. Who is delighted when we do not witness and speak? The devil. Now, I know we live in a day and age where I read an appalling statistic the other day that 52% of the preachers in, the, in America do not believe in a real devil. Never forget this old mountaineer said, Oh, I believe in the, the, the devil. said, I'm married to his sister. <laughs> but, 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 but not jokingly. That, you know, people, and Satan's won a victory when he convinces people that that, that he does not exist. But it is the devil. The devil delights in that Lakeview Church is not more involved in witnessing Jesus and calling people to be in a living faith relationship. The devil's delighted with us over that. He's delighted any time you don't use every opportunity you can to share the gospel. I got a, there's a, a friend of mine died and died just recently. Did everything I I could to 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 lead him to the Lord, and he just wouldn't have it. He died. I saw him about a year ago in the hospital, Baptist Hospital. I've seen him for the last time. Unless God worked in that period between us, I hope He did. The devil is delighted that we are not. Following Christ. Now we got today's scene, scriptural scene. I'll set it for you quickly. Here are these fishermen working at their nets. They weren't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for them. Now you know when you study the scriptures, you learn some things about the writers. And um, and I've always had a particular affection for Mark. Uh, Mark was not the, I'm not saying he wasn't smart, he was brilliant, but, but he was not the most educated amongst the disciples. And you catch that when you read his Greek. His Greek does not flow with the smoothness of some of the other writers. But you know the way he tells us this account of the calling of the disciples has always been a special one for me. You see, we have in Matthew, Jesus, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's the way the Greek in Matthew is literally translated the same in Luke. <clears throat> but, but Mark expresses it in a little different kind of way. In fact, the, the text today does not exactly follow the Greek. 
In Mark, Jesus comes up to these disciples and he, te- and he says to them, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. That's kind of important to me. Because what Jesus is saying to these fishermen who I'm sure uh, were overwhelmed that he would choose them. I mean, I've been around commercial fishermen, have you? Pretty rough bunch, some of them. And he says to them, I will make you to become fishers of men. That to become should, for all of our understanding and thinking, put the lie to any fears we have of being effective in our witnessing. Because you see, you see, the work of witnessing is not empowered by our gifts. It is not dependent upon our education. That's why I entitled the sermon, Not by Our Power, But by His. You see. Now, some people never know the empowerment that will come into their life through faithfully sharing Jesus with others because they won't do it. But if you faithfully believe that it is your calling as a person being saved, which it is, to be involved in leading other people into a living faith relationship with Jesus Christ, you will be doing that. So that if next week I were to ask you, how many of you all this past week have gone out of your way and with and you preface it always with prayer, you know, always preface it with prayer, have gone out of your way to become involved in a person's life, to let them know your love for them, and to share Jesus and the importance that he means to their life. If, I, if, if you receive what I've said today, and if you receive with confidence, believing that Jesus meant what he said when he said he'll make you to become fishers of men, every hand in this congregation would go up. You have a faithful Savior upon whom you can depend. You have a faithful Savior who will take your obedience and magnify its power. You believe that? I do. In fact, I not only believe it, by his grace and mercy, I've experienced it. Jesus is the most important thing in your life. He's the most important thing in every other person's life. And if they don't have it, we want them to have it. And we are not going to be intimidated by anything in the world. You know, I'm... The apostles before the court in Jerusalem, you know, very early in the ministry, they were hauled into court, and, and uh, the religious leaders were 
were very much disturbed because these apostles were telling that your salvation and relationship to God depends upon your faith in Jesus Christ and not your coming to the temple and pouring out all kinds of money and appearing holy. That's not what, is it, what it is. And, and the, whole, the whole Jewish establishment was upset, and they called them into court, and they listened to what they had to say, and they said, well, you, you go out and don't you say any more about this. And they said, what did they say? They said to people who had the power to take their life, they said, what is it right to do, obey God or obey you? They weren't intimidated. You know these bakers that didn't bake the cake? You know they probably lost about everything they had. Did you know that? But praise God, they were not intimidated. They knew that it was more right to obey God than to obey man. And even at the personal level, we must not allow ourselves to be intimidated, but have confidence that our witnessing to Christ will have its effect. I've shared with many of you about my friend Steve Vargo. Steve hated the gospel, hated Christians, hated about everything. And I sought to become his friend. I never told him I was a preacher. I do travel incognito sometimes. He would insult me when I'd bring up the name of Jesus. He'd make fun of me in front of other people when I brought it up. He would do all kinds of things. Didn't bother me one bit. Because it wasn't about me. Did not damage my self-esteem one bit. My job was to tell, do everything I could to tell and show Steve Jesus. That's, that's my only job. It wasn't my job to have him appreciate me. Nothing at my, that was my job. And our church began to pray for him. They didn't know his last name, but they began to pray for him. And one Sunday, to my shock, and to the shock of the whole congregation, they didn't have a clue that this guy, he walks through the door. He was the most disliked man in that whole town. And he came to the front of the church at the end of the service and said, I want to confess my sins and receive Christ as my Savior. And I want to say this. I've known lots of men in my life, but I never knew a man who was as sold out to Jesus Christ as Steve Varco. He walked into that church the most despised man in that community. I didn't know that. When we rolled him out of the church on his funeral some years later, he was rolled out as the most loved man in that community. Now, friends, I didn't do it. But I was faithful to God. My agenda was not me. My agenda was not collecting another head for my trophy. My agenda was that he know Jesus because I knew he needed to know him just like I needed to know him. And I trusted in the Lord. We have to get our own feelings out of the way, folks. Because many times those feelings are stimulated not from the kingdom of light, but from the kingdom of darkness. Do you know that? And we must act in obedience 
let me tell you this. The purpose of your life, your real purpose is more, more, more greater than your purpose in establishing a, a successful business more, or a career or more, more than anything. Your purpose is in the Lord to do his will of seeking and saving that which was lost. I wonder how many people are going to appear before the throne of judgment. We're all going to stand there. Janice, if you're standing next to me, you're going to learn some things about me. It's going to embarrass you to death. I'm not kidding. We're all going to stand there. But will we stand there being found innocent of not reaching others for Christ? You see, we are stewards of the gospel as we saw last Sunday. And we're either being a good steward or a bad steward. If every one of you sitting in this room right now would submit your life to being used to sharing the gospel, and, and it won't happen every time, but it will happen. If you were used in sharing the gospel, the Holy Spirit will move through your testimony upon some person's heart and call them to salvation. Do you know this church would have doubled its kingdom of God work? I have precious loved ones in my family. I have precious loved ones in this community that do not know the Lord. I love them. I love them. You know, believers... We're not to be like towards people that are lost. We're not to be like those scribes and Pharisees and priests who seeing the man wounded and broken and a good Samaritan. We're not to lift our garments up and walk by, by them. You know, Christians are not made by appearing to be greater than others. Chris, real Christians are seen as loving others. We to reach out to the hurting and the lost. That's our work. Jesus said, "It's not the well that need a doctor; it's the sick." Do not be intimidated. Seize on this word today. Follow me. That's what we do. We follow Jesus, and when we follow Jesus, we do what He wants us to do. We go where he goes before us. And our purpose becomes his purpose. And we may think and we may start out very ineffective, but as we follow him, what does he promise to do? He promises to say, Bobby, I will make you to become a fisher of men. I will work in you and put in you that which you need to do, to reach and to seek and save the lost. And none of us have that ability, do we? But in him, we do. And I could say 
I just use Bobby as an example, but I could say that to every person in this room and to myself. When Lakeview Church, when you as a Christian, as a part of this church, when Lakeview Church begins to follow Christ and to seek to do his will and to seek to reach out to the lost, this will become a soul-winning church. But as long as we remain indifferent, as long as we remain intimidated, as long as we remain disobedient, as long as we trust in ourselves, it will not happen. That's not the way God works. But when we say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to talk to the people you want me to talk to. I'm going to love them. And I'm going to tell them about the gospel message of salvation and I'm going to call them and, I, and if they say yes I'm going to stick closer to them than glue and I'm going to help them on each one of the baby steps they make I trust you Jesus to be able to do that through a person such as myself my friend Steve Argo Followed the Lord and he witnessed and witnessed. I saw him bring a number of people to the Lord. Some of his own precious family abandoned him when he became a Christian. That didn't stop him. I saw people come to the Lord because he told them what Jesus had done for him. He told me at my funeral, Gerald, if you do not give an altar call, I will haunt you the rest of your life. You'll never be able to put a spoon of food in your mouth that's somewhere in the middle you don't spill it. I'll haunt you the rest of your life. You see, his last, his last service, the thing he wanted was not to tell about Steve, but to tell about Jesus and that somebody might be saved. And I gave an altar call. And three people that work with him came forward. You were born to multiply. Multiply salvation in the lives of other people, even as you've been saved. Jesus is saying to you, you may follow him, you may not. Woe be to those that do not follow him. Follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men.